0: Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to have Pietro Martani with me here in Milan. Welcome to my podcast, Pietro. Thank you. Pietro Martani is a serial entrepreneur. He is the CEO of Haldis and Copernico Holding, embracing the megatrend and need for smart workspaces, service departments and also holiday rentals. And today, Copernico is a synonym for a smart way of working, but also for entrepreneurship, collaboration and innovation. And Pietro, I think that what you do goes definitely well beyond the traditional co working spaces as you help co create sustainable solutions for entrepreneurs, but you also foster a real collaborative community. So, co working spaces are booming since many years now. What do you think is really the reason for that? What is it an expression for?
1: I think that in the past, fuel of businesses was oil the fuel of the companies of today is innovation Mm. companies businesses people need to rethink what they do on a continuous basis so we started to wonder a few years ago on how to create a, a system or better an ecosystem where innovation is paramount where business thrives and where people like to stay and live and work. So we went through some literature and mm-hmm. <laughs> understood that uh, one way is to increase collisions, say positive collisions of people, of knowledge, of um, different backgrounds, different companies. So we thought, why don't we develop like, bigger buildings uh, where people can actually meet and do business, not just use an office space. So we we actually had an experience in 2006 of first co-working in Milan. That taught us a lot, and we understood that uh, not only was the flexible office a flexible space, the service space uh, of interest for the people, but there was something more. was the community the the social side and the bigger was the the space, then we did the second and third uh, buildings, like bigger and bigger, so learning (laughs) with time Mm -hmm. that uh, larger buildings and maybe buildings in a a network, so interconnected Mm -hmm. spaces, could be a solution not only for efficient and smart uh, offices, but also for helping the economy, say, boosting the business, boosting people, and actually improving life of the people mm. within, within the, the working environment.
0: How much do you intend to grow? I mean, where do you exist now? Uh, with Because you have a huge number of square meters right now.
1: Actually, yeah, that's a subjective point of view. Uh, for me, it's still a small business. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we are seeing uh, that the solutions, like solutions where you integrate flexibility, the social side, mm. some beauty, because we uh, try to make those spaces as, mm. uh, as nice as possible uh, from several point of view, It's very attractive for customers. They happen to spend a bit less, have more spaces, larger spaces, more spaces in, in several locations. Mm. This year, we're making the business become four times what it was last year. We had 25,000 square meters this year. It's going to be like 100,000. Um, we're going to reach 25 buildings, but that's numbers. So the what we think is, talk about Italy, uh, where our business is mainly located. The objective is to have 100 locations around the country, and the aim is to interconnect the periphery, the small cities, say 100,000 inhabitants, Mm -hmm. with the bigger centers, Milan, Rome, Torino, Mm -hmm. so that people from the countryside, so to say, uh, will have exposure to knowledge and experiences that are maybe more present, more numerous in the bigger cities. Mm -hmm. And the flow of people, the flow of knowledge, the flow of businesses is speeded up this way. Mm -hmm. So the the vision is to have about 100 interconnected buildings in Mm -hmm. this country. Mm
0: -hmm. And are are you specifically interested in some other countries uh, as well?
1: Certainly. Um, I think we can bring to real estate uh, owners or real estate operators a lot of things we have learned in the years, knowledge, experience, so that we can bring some Italian style or Italian uh, sense of hospitality that we are putting in our buildings, a lot of attention for food. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: everybody's grateful for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, we like it. And
0: uh, design, we, food.
1: Yeah, we, we see people like it too. So <laughs> I think what we're doing for the international scene is collect those elements and. Uh, then work together with uh, real estate players to develop part of their assets Mm. into flexible spaces, design and social experience um, curated with the approach we have learned here in Italy. Mm.
0: And I know that you also worked actively with environment branding and uh, sense-based marketing and so on. For example, like different sensory inputs that drives behavior. Are you applying this uh, and what are you learning from it? We
1: experiment. We have learned that art, light, green, good air are basic elements of a working space. So not only designing the the furniture or, or the building itself. but thinking on of all the senses. So in this sense, yes, sensory. Yeah. I think we have a bit far yet yeah, from being able to communicate all all these aspects mm-hmm. to the market. Probably the time will tell, the customers. But we have seen that the best marketing is the customer, the happy customer. Mm. And I that's strongly good. believe that mm-hmm. even moving forward, the social network are a powerful emphasizer for what the single mm-hmm. person thinks and that's good.
0: Are you helping people also uh, like sharing networks uh, and sharing your network with them or you go about that as well or kind of understanding more about what they do in order to kind of support them uh, maybe in that aspect as well?
1: Yeah, even that we can do much better what we do now. (laughs) We have a secret plan to do that much better. Mm -hmm. We understand that networking is very important, so we actually organize a lot of parties. Uh, my first business was to run discotheque when I was a little kid, so I have that knowledge. And the <laughs> head of experience in Copernico, as my same background, It's probably why we get along very well. So we do, uh, yeah, last year we did 400 events. Those events are aimed at getting people together around a team, some learning thing and in several fields from music to art to, to business. Mm-hmm. So I think we are now planning uh, uh, quite some investment in software and processes tools to foster collaboration and networking starting to to learn the more and more what the single person and the organization have as goals. Mm-hmm. what are the skills of the people So I think there is a lot to do in the future for skills mapping, understanding of behaviors. I think there is a lot to do in that and support businesses and uh, leveraging what other businesses within the community and the, mar- the, the marketplace of, uh, that we are creating are able to exchange. If you have access to personal organization as part of your same philosophy and community and physical space, it's much faster and much easier to, to do business.
0: Pietro, going back a little bit more to you, what would you say is your passion, your drivers? Why do you do what you do?
1: Going on the bike on Sunday. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think maybe what has driven me as an entrepreneur, which is both a passion and something that I recognize as a key for doing something successful, is to improve people's life. In a very broad sense, then if talking about what we do, what I have done as an entrepreneur, is applying design, rich social experiences, and probably learning. Learning okay. education, okay. continuous learning, continuous education, uh, various learning is very important for the world in which we live. So many people will, will lose their jobs, and what they need to do is very simple study experience new things and uh, reform their knowledge. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, many people have done the same thing for 10 years, 15 years. How do you change this pattern? So I think a, a possible way in the game we play is induce that process through easier social activities or emulation of other people. So if I see somebody doing that, I will Mm. go. I will follow. Uh, If value of a given environment Mm. is learning, uh, innovation, and um, experimentation, if that value is uh, socially shared, certainly people will change easier. They will see that as something they have to do because it's a social norm. Mm. So my passion is to improve life of people from this angle.
0: There are some. Coworking spaces in some other countries that I have uh, seen that are almost doing like an interview in order to understand if the person or their business is fit for that kind of space in the sense that they're trying to push the angle of what impact do people want to do or have why are they doing what they're doing
1: We don't do that but um, what we should do and uh, trying now certainly to, to do now is to create the right environment where people that are not so aligned with those uh, values, they may start to change and uh, get more in line with uh, good stuff. Yeah. And um, we even see that some companies or people that maybe you know they like to be more isolated, they don't want to share things. they, yeah, they don't last a lot. Mm-hmm. They, they go away by themselves. We don't need to mm. uh, do that. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, an environment with uh, certain norms or a given marketing, a given uh, communication, if it's coherent, it will attract people that are in line with that positioning. Mm. It's very natural, you don't need to discriminate in mm. order to achieve the result of creating something effective and good for the participants.
0: What uh, turning points in your life has influenced you the most?
1: Probably two things. One is a person and not having a a family of entrepreneurs. I had to learn the entrepreneurial way myself uh, with a long string of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And um, about 10 years ago, I met my current business partner who is uh, Leonardo Ferragano, and um, I think he did, meeting him represented a, a turning point because mm-hmm. I was able to change perspective on the business, uh, think on uh, um, how to grow the business at a different scale seeing his example and uh, the structuring of uh, doing business not just you know by myself or some family and friends, but a more structural way. So he has represented a, a turning point from mm-hmm. being an artisan into having a bigger perspective mm-hmm. for business and higher goals. Uh, mm-hmm. And probably the second thing is building. A building? <laughs> a building. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. In 2014, I. I found this building through one of our partners, a insur- big insurance company It was uh, empty, left apart, and very big, 16,000 square meters, so in the center of Milan. Not the very center, but outside the center. It was a problem for, for this company, and so I saw that as a possible um, challenge, or a very high challenge, because we invested a lot, and we made this become the very first building was called Copernico and that started this new wave this new business uh, of workspaces okay. and ha- had been that big consider about 1500 people use it every day so mm-hmm. this is a very nice community there yeah. it's a very interesting environment maybe change completely perspective even you know like person first and a building that we got yeah.
0: later <laughs> And is there anything in your like upbringing or anything like that that kind of made a mark? What made you decide even to start thinking about let's you know, let's become you know, entrepreneur of some kind or what led you into that from the beginning?
1: I started to become a diplomat Languages, uh, politics, history. That That was uh, Mm -hmm. the original idea. Then I, as I told you earlier, I started a business to maintain myself at school Running a, a, a place where people went to dance. <laughs> I was 20, so it was in line with my age. And uh, it was the first building that I ran. Uh, and We transformed it for, with my partners at the time. A Swiss and a German guy, it looks like mm-hmm. a, a joke. In Italian, a Swiss and a German. You know? the, uh, running a, a space was pretty big. It, was, uh, it could contain 1,000 people. Wow. It was uh, not working well, so we could afford it. That's it, and we relaunched it, and uh-huh. that was uh-huh. certainly something significant. Made me understand I wasn't I wasn't done for diplomacy, or I was done for uh, being effective in impacting uh-huh. and something fast.
0: And um, in terms of. Um you know, long-term solutions, long-term formulas for business in general, whether you think about your own or or companies in general, and if you see them as an instrument for something, what kind of long-term formula do you believe in, actually, for all companies?
1: I think companies looking at the future, they need to create an open environment. They need to be able to absorb learning, teaching, stimuli from Mm. others. Mm. Very various uh, fashion. So probably openness, like true openness, Mm. is uh, something very important. The second aspect is working together with others. So the the network effect, the network effect meaning not the effect, uh, working together in creating an organization that is a network itself. Mm. So the ability of creating a multi- Center, multi-points, multi skilled organization that is not in a traditional way a hierarchical mm-hmm. organization, that something more mm-hmm. widespread, uh, even fluid. That skill is very important in the future. Mm-hmm. Companies can learn that, they can stay focused on core business and get all the opportunities quickly. Don't staff people that tend not to, mm-hmm. you know, feed learning and feed uh, innovation. Yeah, new shapes. Being able to organize themselves in new shapes quickly.
0: Are you especially impressed by any particular leader, person or company or so that uh, that you kind of um, admire or take some inspiration from? Many. <laughs> <laughs> Good.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, all the platform businesses. I don't know, Salesforce. The way mm. the way Salesforce is built and uh, it's very smart. When you start to use it, you used to say, okay, I need something else. I need, you know, I need not only the the CRM, but I need and a, a smart website with smart applications. They have it. They didn't develop it. They integrated it through mm-hmm. partners, but it's based on their system. And so you happen to use them as a kernel for your organization in many ways. And uh, it's a very smart way to to enter a company and support the company in many ways. The, mm. the library of applications you can access and source what they what you need. Mm-hmm. Salesforce is an example that you know. Other companies like Amazon, or I could speak a lot about them, but uh, they are wow. also very interesting. And in general, leveraging the crowd around your company, leveraging the public of your value chain, or the value chains that are close to your value chain Mm. is a smart way to see, look at business. Mm. And don't be hit from uh, (laughs) crisis or competition Mm -hmm.
0: that, you know, that bad. And um, if you could uh, dream a little bit and think about um, the fact that you have all doors open and all resources available. What would you then innovate or change, you know, whether it's in your business or whether it's on a broader scale?
1: If it was my business...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with let's a lot, go wild. With a lot,
1: let's go wild. With <laughs> a lot of resources, I would invest a lot in software. I'll try to automate everything that is not automatic and people need to be, do the same thing over and over. Mm. That I would change and make people do interesting things. Creative things rather than repetitive tasks. Mm. So I would invest a lot in software and a lot in improving uh, the environment. So improving, uh, we know how to improve buildings. I would improve a lot of buildings, <laughs> not just the ones we we can given the resources mm. we access to. Mm. So creating the, the the beautiful spaces that are interconnected and building a software that makes the the magic happen within those buildings, yeah, that's I would use the resources for that. Mm. Mm. Um probably uh, going back to your question, if society had other mm. resources, probably uh I would distribute the resource those resources to the people that lose the jobs because they know how to automate t- those jobs, and they can go back to school, and the system can finance you know, better education, mm-hmm. and they can re-enter the system. So I would assist them in a classic way, you know, give them money mm-hmm. to live. Maybe a little, yes, because it's going to be difficult otherwise. But mm-hmm. um, I mostly would invest in people, in creating new businesses, uh, mm-hmm. invest in art, invest in all those beautiful things that we can... Um, mm-hmm create, uh, we could create if we had more resources.
0: Mm. Now I was thinking when you say uh, re-educate uh, people who are uh, for one reason or the other uh, outside of the system and so on, whether that could partly be done within the framework of what you do in the sense that you have lots of competence in the house, in a way. So the education, instead of sending them somewhere to do that, <laughs> could be partly done in-house. Uh, by exposing these people to the, the knowledge, particular knowledge that is inherent in the house. Absolutely. The That's one way of, of also, in a way, I think, in giving back, you know. If I would be able to teach somebody something uh, that I know or share some experiences so to elevate their awareness of things and knowledge of things, that would also feel good for the people who are, you know, in the area.
1: Absolutely. Mm. If you look at the morphology of work, how jobs will change, uh, many statistics say that people in the future will be the more and more freelancers, independent workers, solo workers, the way you want to call them. Mm. Many of these people will not work like 100%. They will have some little jobs. They will be able to work 20%, 30%, 40%. So the way I see it in the future is... A lot of people will have more time in a very spontaneous way. They can use access learning through applications or in mm. a, a given environment. Certainly, we are building that environment where they can maybe stay in, like, work in a space where they can they have a chat with someone for 30 mm. minutes and then another 20 minutes and then maybe attend to meet up. Uh, for one hour, one uh, hour and a half, drink a beer with somebody else and, uh. and learn. Uh. So learning will be much um, less structured in the way that we know the, how learning is uh, from uh, university or uh. formal classes. Uh. Learning will take a lot of shapes. And it will be much more beautiful to do this in this way because your life will go on. You can work, get satisfaction, get some money from your work, and at the same time mm. evolve, create, uh, and grow. Mm.
0: Have you experienced um, in your environments uh, what you would call typically age discrimination or, and things like that? Do you think it's it's a problem in, a, for example, in Italy, in companies or?
1: Traditionally, it is a problem. It's you know in Europe, uh, mm. especially Southern Europe, it's a gerontocratic uh, area. Uh, uh, so the power resides where mm. people have amassed and uh, not easily released to mm. younger people. Uh, for example, access to credit is not simple for uh, entrepreneurs. Technology will will change this. It's inevitable. Uh, technology will empower people to empower organizations to support small companies, uh, crowd crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, finances of learning, of tools, uh, software. It will empower the young. What we do is we try to integrate as much diversity as possible. So we have people with ties that work for the big consulting firms and the start uh, I think this diversity is um, mm. enriching the two parties. Mm. and So age, thinking uh, of life and uh, vision on business, uh, the more diverse they are, the more interesting mm. is the environment.
0: Mm. So true. But if um, you could give um, a piece of advice to uh, leaders, uh, you know, however you choose to define them, I mean, anybody who is followed by somebody, I guess, in one way or the other, uh, what kind of advice would that be?
1: Involve people more. Involve managers, involve everyone in the company, Mm. I'm now trying to see how to get the Everyone involved in, in my uh-huh. companies, uh-huh. the more and more, and uh-huh. make them public without being public in the formal sense. Uh-huh. Um,
0: How do you do that?
1: There are a few ways. Uh-huh. You can um, uh-huh. distribute shares uh, in a very capillary way to everyone, uh-huh. swap shares uh, with uh, part of the compensation or the bonuses, but that's one way. Uh, incentives and participation is made in several right. other ways, by yes. getting them expose their vision, their thinking, mm. what you can improve uh, the, every single step and process that they run. Mm. So creating an organization that is made by everyone, but not, mm. not just a manager or mm. a boss or a leader, I think is the secret to create something sustainable and uh, mm. uh, that works well. So the, for the, maybe maybe the best uh, advice for a leader, which I, I'm giving to myself actually, <laughs> is to <laughs> not think you are a leader, but think you are part of a system and you can play your role uh, fostering the system as a system, as a, mm-hmm. a common, common objective, a common road with everyone.
0: If you were to give uh, advice to yourself some 15 years ago, for example, uh, what would it be?
1: I think the very beginning, the very early phase, early stage of the business, should be a one-person game in terms of shares. Keep your shares, be yourself, your business, and then collaborate with 1,000 people, but not give away your shares as uh, a piece of cake in the beginning. You know, mm. safeguard that. Then, uh, when you need capital, Go out and raise uh, capital from like consistent capital from professionals or from people that are senior enough to teach you something. And that's good because they will support uh, your growth with uh, many, many, many ways especially on the financial side, and they can support you in your growth. Mm. So having somebody with some more money to invest in next uh, stages, Mm. or somebody that can lead you in the complexity of the financial world, that is certainly something I would do different from what I did when I started.
0: To ensure that you have your own, um, let's say, footprint on, on how you want things to be. Because initially when you start any kind of business, you have some authentic your kind of idea of what you want to accomplish. And then in order not to compromise on that in the beginning, you mean take take make sure that it's, it's all under your control initially and then get the help financially.
1: That's an aspect for sure.
0: Mm.
1: But... Um, in many companies they simply don't work very well because they, when they start to grow and make some money, mm-hmm. uh, they, there are arguments mm-hmm. or discussions amongst mm-hmm. the partners. So mm-hmm. if you if you structure your cap table and your governance and your financing the right way in the beginning, mm-hmm. then you can simply be smoother and faster and avoid those possible shortcomings. Mm. In the future, I don't know mm. you, you may you may wish to read um, the story of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Twitter uh, was built uh, as a sort of messy company in many ways. The owners there, there was a point in which people didn't know who was the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't structure well at the beginning. And, um, they don't even know who was the founder. you know many people founded it. <laughs> so uh, in my experience, uh, what I would do better, what I certainly would do different is go out and ask for thorough advice on, mm-hmm. I like, spent a month simply on t- how do I structure my business? How, where do I want to go? Mm-hmm. Like, spend time on pondering mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the future of who you are, what you want to achieve, what you want to build, and then go out and do it yourself in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that also will give you feedback on who you are, what you can make.
0: Mm.
1: And then get structure.
0: Mm. That's very good advice. What do you think is the most important thing for companies in general to focus on right now? Is there one common denominator, something that everybody should focus on?
1: We talked about uh, openness, innovation. Uh, th- those are very important elements. I would say stay lean, I would add stay lean, stay focused. I'll uh, give an example that we live every day in our yeah. business. Sometimes there are companies uh, coming mm-hmm. to us and say, okay, we need 1,000 square meter of offices.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We start to talk to them and say, okay, are you sure? How many people? Yeah, we have 30 people. So you sure you need 1,000 square meters with 30 people? Mm-hmm. We may need 300 square meters. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but we want something, you know, some nice office that can represent us. Mm-hmm. Sure, but that's not very smart. I'm giving you this an example, you know, it, because sometimes people don't stay focused on achieving uh, their core objective. They start to think of all the things that are around it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they, they lose track and focus with the major goal. And they, they think about, you know, uh, a, a nice office where they can go every day and have a, a given status or you know, like a room for every manager. That's not the way for certainly talking about offices mm. to, to, be, to be smart. And we, we tell them, you know, share with others the space, use common spaces with other companies where you can get customers. And, and that's, in my view, much smarter than, and, and mm. it costs much less. So, the the stay focused and stay lean regards all the other aspects of the business.
0: Hmm. And what do you think if we elevate one step further up to the, including the whole world, uh, what does the world need most at this time? Hmm.
1: Good values. We have some uh, world leaders nowadays (laughs) that are not a representation of good values. Yeah. And uh, in a very broad sense, take the Bible, or whatever you want to take, and <laughs> the Koran. There we find some good values. We have leaders that don't teach us that, and that's bad, very bad. So I think the world needs different leaders or different, different outlook towards the basic values to run society. You know, being more specific, I think we need to build systems to integrate diversity in our societies uh, it's a trend if we don't see that trend we don't look at the future we look at the past we defend ourselves instead of growing and progressing mm. integration is uh, us, tough as stuff sometimes where is a source of richness mm. for everyone
0: and uh, just for you just example of a good of good values What
1: would they they be? For example, trust. In a system like uh, Silicon Valley, trust is a very important value. There are some studies on that. uh, Silicon Valley was born out of the um, pioneers. And pioneers had some tough life, you know, traveling from the east or the center to the west uh, with people attacking them. All kinds of challenges. Mm. But they develop uh, communities of people to work, traveling together. They learn how to trust each other very much on all aspects of life families, families with families, and extended families with mm. other uh, portions of uh, society. And then they brought this into the Silicon Valley. Mm. If trust is an important value in a system things go faster smoother mm. and even in a nicer uh, so to say environment they make the environment more more interesting more suitable for business
0: mm. And uh, also what I see is that uh, in uh, organizations or companies where there is lots of trust, um, people can bring 100% of themselves to work, which means that they do a better job and they yeah. can express you know, the whole range of thoughts, ideas, talents, and so on that they have. They don't have to kind of squeeze in and fit into some kind of a box, but they can be themselves more and then because of that contribute more.
1: Yeah. So in, in big companies uh, in the eighties, nineties, it developed a lot of politics. Yeah. These structure organizations, yeah. a lot of politics. Uh, managers spent half of their time in mm. defending themselves, mm-hmm. in <laughs> placing themselves in the right power system. Mm. I think this is not good, and the future will sweep those that approach away and. Um, mm and uh, you're perfectly right, in, in a place where trust is instead the value, the dominant value, people live better, mm. they have a better life and young talents will move from the political environment to, mm. to the trust-rich environment where they will have a much better social experience every day. Mm. So those companies will win, that's mm. it.
0: Mm. For sure. So Pietro, how um, did it feel to be on this podcast?
1: Very interesting. Thank you, Vesna. <laughs> Very unusual for me, but um, made me reflect, actually, on yeah. like, listening to myself. I, <laughs> I should change a few things in what I do.
0: <laughs> good, good results. Okay. So, grazie mille, Pietro. Thanks for sharing.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me
0: here. To find out more about Pietro and his work, you can head to coperni.co and uh, also haldis.com and you can of course also follow him on linkedin so thank you very much for listening and until next time live with purpose and remember to unplug ciao, ciao.